to Strange Things. I'm Steve Stockton. And in this episode, Gemma and I will be discussing strange urban legends that we believed as kids. Join us. We've all heard them. Urban legends. They all happen to a friend of a friend. And of course, they're 100% true. No, seriously, it really happened. The cousin of the husband of the daughter of the woman who does my mom's hair is who it happened to. These are tales told in beauty salons, repeated on playgrounds, and whispered in hushed tones at family get-togethers. They are cautionary tales of what can happen if you don't watch out, if you don't mind your business, or happen to park your car in the wrong place, or open the door to that smiling stranger. Don't trust anyone. You've been warned. And, and we, we swear, swear these are, are all true. Hey, how are you? Yeah, we'll be around for coffee Friday night. I have something I wanted to tell you about, though, and it won't wait. Do you know the Andersons? Yeah. They just moved in a few months ago. Yes, that brown split level at the corner and the next block over. Yes, that's them. Yeah. The ones with the vicious dog that always barks and looks like it wants to kill someone? Well, I heard that the other day, the dog, I think it's a Doberman or Wattwall or some insane breed like that. No, it's not a pit bull. You can't have those in Passaic County. But whatever it is, Miss Anderson was in the kitchen and the dog's been barking and barking like crazy all morning. Yes, just like always. But then the barking stops and she hears this weird noise outside. She goes to the sliding glass door and sees that it's the dog making the weird noise. He sounds like he's choking. She rushes out into the backyard and sure enough, he's having trouble breathing. She notices he's got something in his mouth. So she gives him the drop it command, but the dog doesn't obey. He's rolling on the grass at that point, pawing at his mouth. She goes over, pries his jaw open to have a look, and she sees something. It looks like cloth of some sort. So she reaches in and manages to get it loose. It's part of a black glove and it has three human fingers still in it. So she gets the dog inside, gets him settled down. He's thankful he can breathe, but he starts growling and barking at the back door. She dials 911 and tells the dispatcher what happened about the bloody fingers in the glove. Five minutes later, the cops show up. They look at the glove and then decide to have a look around the yard. Well, you know what they found? There was a man hiding in the garden shed. He was bleeding to death, but he was too scared to come out and face the dog. The cops called an ambulance and it took him and the fingers away. That's all I've heard so far, but I'll ask around. Yeah, definitely. Keep your doors and windows locked. And Saturday, we're going shopping for a guard dog of our own. This is a true story. It happened over at the Kmart on Clinton Highway. The lady that does my mom's hair told her about it, and she's mutual friends with the people that it actually happened to. One Friday night, lady's in the Kmart shopping. She has a little son with her. Kid decides he needs to go to the bathroom. Mom's going to just take him into the ladies' room with her. Kid puts up a fuss and says, Hi, Mom. He just had a birthday that week, turned eight years old. Mom, I'm eight years old. I'm big enough to go to the bathroom by myself. I'm a big boy now. So she agrees, thinks it's kind of cute and sweet, lets him go in by himself. So she watches and she waits. She waits and she watches. Pretty soon she starts to get worried about him. Meantime, she's noticed a trio of what she called rough, dirty-looking boys come out, teenagers. So finally, she's really getting upset. The man walks up and starts to go in the, the men's room. And she says, excuse me, but uh, my son went in there a few minutes ago, and he hasn't come out yet, and I'm kind of concerned about him. Would you just see if there's a little eight-year-old boy in there and make sure that he's okay? And says, sure. Walks in the restroom. A few seconds later, he comes dashing out. Says, lady, you better get in there with him. 
I'm going to go up front and call for an ambulance. Hurry. He needs you. This lady runs into the men's room in the last stall in shock, sitting there in a puddle of his own blood with his pants around his ankles as her son. The trio of boys that she'd seen had cut his penis off. It was part of a gang initiation. Police, ambulance came. Police did manage to find a severed penis in the parking lot later. But the, the knife was so dull that it had been severed with and several cars had run over it. So it was a lost cause. The family moved to another town. The kid changed schools. He's currently undergoing psychiatric treatment and a gender reassignment. So if you find yourself at the Kmart on Clinton Highway, don't let your kid go to the bathroom by himself. Did you hear what happened the other night over at Garden State Plaza? Oh my gosh, it was terrible. One of the ladies was talking about it at the PTA meeting last night. Well, there's this girl that works at the mall. I think she works at Sears or maybe JCPenney. I don't remember. Anyway, she was working the closing shift, so it was late when she got off. The mall had already been closed for over an hour. She's walking to her car out in the employee parking area at the far edge of the mall lot, which is crazy because it's so dark over there. She's careful, though, anytime she works late. She always makes sure there's no one hanging around in the employee lot or near her car. This time, though, as she goes to unlock the door and get in, a man reaches out from under the car and cuts her Achilles tendon with a box cutter. She can't run away, and he's trying to grab her and shove her in the car. Well, she starts screaming her head off, and it just so happened that the manager of the pet shop had worked late, too, and he heard her cries for help. He comes running across the parking lot, yelling at the man with the box cutter, who drops it and takes off running, up 17 toward the roof's crest. The cops were called, but there was no sign of the weirdo. He's still out there somewhere, so be careful if you go to Garden State Plaza after dark. And always look under your car. This happened for real. My mom heard it from my aunt that lives in Alabama. Her son, Kenny, went to school with a guy who knew someone who knew the guy that it happened to. Night gets hot in the summer in Alabama, real hot. So a bunch of guys had decided to go hang out to like, try to beat the heat, cool off. Well, they ran into some other guys they knew and one of them had brought his dad's boat out on the lake. It was a nice Sea Ray speedboat. So they're out on the boat. They managed to find a ski, an inline ski on the boat. That's the kind where you put one foot behind the other and ski that way. They decided to give it a try. So here they were, taking turns on just this one ski. One guy, teenager, they went to school with. It's his turn. So he gets on the ski and they start pulling him really fast behind the boat. Well, they had never really skied before, so he ends up wiping out in the shallows. I mean, he totally ate shit really bad. So they're circling back around to pick him up. They're all laughing at him because of the wipeout. But when they come back around, they see the ski floating on the water, but the guy's nowhere in sight. Eh, they think he's just giving them the business, you know, for laughing at his spectacular wipeout. So they wait to keep watching, looking for him to pop up, but he doesn't. Well, now they're starting to get a little concerned. The area where this lake is used to be farmland before the TVA dammed up the river and created the lake. There's some places where there's still old barbed wire stretched between submerged fence posts. So they're thinking he might be stuck, might be in serious trouble. So they're looking and yelling and yelling and looking, and now they're really starting to panic. Still no sign of the guy. They decide maybe they better call for help. Shortly, the county rescue squad shows up. And with grim determination, they start dragging the lake, trying to find the poor kid's body. Well, on about the third pass, they find him. And when they pull his lifeless body up onto the boat, everyone is shocked. The kid's been snake bit. Not just a couple of times. Hundreds of bites. Turns out he hadn't drowned at all. He'd skied into a nest of water moccasins. 
You know, cotton mouse. Venomous as hell. He died from the venom before he ever had a chance to drown. I don't care how hot it is this summer. I ain't going to the lake. Snakes are bad this year because of the heat. And you couldn't pay me enough to get in that lake with those damn water moccasins. So this happened to a relative of a girl I went to high school with. I think it was her cousin or something. Her relative, who was also a girl, wakes up one morning and looks in the mirror to find what she thinks is a pimple on her cheek, way up near her cheekbone. She scrubs it with some sea breeze or some kind of astringent or other and then dabs a little clearasil on it and kind of just forgets about it. Well, the next day it's worse. It's gotten bigger, it's gotten redder. The days after that, it's bigger still and it's really starting to hurt and itch. She decides that she'll keep trying to treat it over the weekend and if it's not better by Monday, she'll get it looked at. Well, Sunday morning, she gets up and this thing is huge. It's almost the size of a golf ball. It's bright red and throbbing by now. She decides she can't wait until Monday, so she sterilizes a sewing needle with some rubbing alcohol and decides she'll have a poke at it. So when she pokes the needle in, the thing pops like a grape. There's a spurt of blood and pus, but it still looks so full. She decides to give it a little squeeze. When she does, she sees all these little things start leaking out of it. She wipes them away and looks closely at the Kleenex. The little things pouring out of her cheeks are baby spiders, hundreds of them. Ugh. She freaks out, calls an ambulance, and they take her straight to the emergency room. They tell her that a spider had laid eggs inside her cheek and that she's a very lucky girl. If it had been just a little higher up, the baby spiders could have hatched behind her eyeball and made their way into her brain and she would have died. I overheard my Aunt Dixie telling this story to my mom. It happened somewhere in Georgia where they live. She had a friend of a friend that knew the lady that this happened to. woman was driving from Chattanooga to Atlanta. She decided to stay off the interstate, take the old state highways, the back roads. So she's driving along. She's just taking her time on this drive to Atlanta. Several hour drive. And uh, she stops and has dinner. A little old diner out in the middle of nowhere. It's starting to get kind of dark when she comes out. She gets in her car. She's driving down the road. She knows she's getting kind of low on gas. So the next little place she sees there, the next wide spot in the road with a gas station, she pulls over, stops to get gas. Man comes out. How you doing today, ma'am? Fill her up? Regular or premium? So the guy pumps her gas, fills the tank up, finishes up, gives her the total, asks for cash or credit. She hands him a credit card. It's easier than carrying cash with her when she's traveling. Guy ambles in, comes back out in a few minutes, and uh, got kind of a strange look on his face. Says, ma'am, I'm going to need you to come with me uh, into the office here. There's been a problem with your credit card. Well, your credit card's no good. Doesn't have any money on it. No, ma'am. No joke. Says it's declined. Well, not now you don't. Not according to the computer. So this exchange continues for a little bit. She's really getting hated. He keeps insisting, ma'am, you've got to come inside with me. You've got to come in. You've got to talk to him on the phone. we got to get this sorted out, or I'm going to have to call the police. Well, now that she hears that, she's thoroughly pissed. Madder than a wet hornet. So she stomps in after him. He locks the door. Picks up the phone, asks the operator for the police. Just uh, remain calm, ma'am. I need the police to get here just as soon as they can. Well, when I was pumping your gas, I noticed there's a man hunkered down in the back seat of your car. And when I came in here to run the car and figure out what I was going to do, he, he kept raising up and looking around. Whatever you do, we're, we're going to stay locked in here till the cops get here. And as they're talking, waiting for the police, they look out the window. They see the rear driver's side door open. 
Out comes a man, grubby, dirty-looking guy, all dressed in black. He's carrying a double-bladed axe. He jumps out of the car, runs across the parking lot and into the woods. For the first time since she stopped here, the woman is speechless. She doesn't believe this. Cops show up in a few minutes. No sign of the guy. He's disappeared into the woods, axe and all. So here's a little advice. If you have to drive from East Tennessee to Atlanta, stay on the interstate. Interstate 75 will get you where you need to go. Don't worry with them back roads. Try not to travel at night. Only stop at clean, well-lighted areas like truck stops. But wherever you stop, when you get back in your car, always look in your back seat. Because somewhere out there, between here and there, there's a guy with a double-bladed axe looking for a car to get into. I refuse to let my kids go trick-or-treating this year after what I heard. My cousin that lives in Ohio said she overheard someone on the bus talking about some evil people, some kind of cult. They plan to go out of their way to ruin Halloween for every kid in America. They're well organized and their plans are so nefarious, it bears repeating. They're going to put razor blades in apples, rat poison in oranges, and sewing needles in candy? No one is safe. They even plan to hand out pills that look like candy. And you know those lick and stick tattoos? Those are going to be laced with LSD. They also have plans to dress as clowns and nab trick-or-treaters off the street, throwing them into black vans and taking them off to who knows where and for who knows what. If you love your children, keep them home this Halloween. I bought mine a big bag of candies and I'm going to rent a stack of spooky kids movies so they'll be right in front of the TV all evening where I can keep an eye on them. There are evil people in this world. The following is a true story. Back when we were in high school, there was a drive-in theater called the Dixie Lee. It's out on Kingston Pike, extreme West Knox County in Farragut. Showed triple X adult movies, which is kind of surprising for a drive-in, but it did. Well, there's this guy that had been dating this girl and he'd been after her for months to go all the way with him. She wouldn't do it. So one night he talks her into going to the Dixie Lee and he thinks, well, if we watch some adult movies, you know, maybe I'll get lucky. But what she wasn't aware of that earlier in that day, he'd gone out to the dirty bookstore farther up Kingston Pike called West Knox News. And he bought a little package of pills, Spanish fly. So after they got to the theater, got parked, he went to the concession stand, got him some hamburgers and, and soft drinks. And he put two or three of them Spanish fly pills in her soda. Now he'd parked in the back row, so it took a while to walk from the concession stand all the way back. The back row was where you parked. You know, you want a little privacy, if you get what I mean. So he gets back, but then the, the capsules have dissolved. She drinks the Coke, doesn't say anything. Well, he decides he's going to make a trip to the restroom, wait for the Spanish fly to kick in. So he walks all the way back up to the concession stand. That's where the, the restrooms were around behind the back of it. And then he walks back to the car all the time. He's thinking, oh, this is going to be great. And he says he's heard about these legendary Spanish fly pills basically all his life, all his adult life. The older kids always talked about them. But when he gets back to the car, what he saw just absolutely horrified him. The pills had worked a little too well. And in his absence, the girl had torn out her insides on the gear shift of his Pontiac GTO. I know it's true. My friend Daryl from high school, his brother knows a guy who knows the EMT, the paramedic that worked the case that took her to UT Hospital. She lived, but she'll never be able to have children. And she had to wear a colostomy bag 
for the rest of her life. So whatever you do, fellas, don't give your girl any Spanish fly. This story is true. My mom heard it from a friend of hers that knows the woman it happened to. So this woman was just puttering around at home one day, doing her washing and cooking when the doorbell rang. She goes to the door and it's an Avon lady that she's never seen before. She wasn't really that into Avon, but she decided to let the sales lady in, you know, mainly just to be polite and see if maybe there was something she might like to buy. So she makes some coffee for both of them and they sit in the living room enjoying it, all the while talking about the latest that Avon has to offer. Well, shortly after that, the Avon lady asks if she can use the bathroom. So the homemaker directs her down the hall and continues looking through the catalog, looking at all the samples, you know. After several minutes pass, she starts to get worried about the Avon lady. She keeps hearing noises coming from the bathroom, but she hasn't heard the toilet flush or the water running. She waits for several more minutes and then her worry and curiosity get the best of her. She goes down the hall and carefully eases the bathroom door open to see if the Avon lady's okay. What she sees nearly scares her to death. Instead of the Avon lady, there's a naked man in the bathroom. He was disguised as an Avon lady, complete with dress and wig. So the lady sees this and she panics. She runs screaming out the house and over to the house next door where she spots her neighbor's husband working on something in his garage. She tells him the story and he runs into his house and gets a loaded revolver and they go back to confront this imposter. When they get back over there, they find that the man is gone, disguised and all, apparently having redressed and escaped out the bathroom window. However, back in the living room, they see that he's left behind his Avon sample case. They look inside only to find duct tape, rope, sex toys, and a hatchet. The police were called, but the imposter's still at large. So whatever you do, don't let a strange Avon lady into your house. Okay, this happened for real. Guy that I went to high school with, his uncle knows a guy who went out of town on business. And he's thinking, you know, new town, big city, I'll get there early, have some fun the night before I have business the next day. So he flips through the yellow pages in the hotel room, finds an escort service, punches in the number, gives him a call. Four nine oh seven. Um, hi. Uh, is is this Nancy's escorts? Yes, this is Nancy's. Well, um, well, um. I'm spending the night in town, on business, and, uh, I'm kind of looking for a little company, if you know what I mean. Uh, what are your rates like? Five notes, yours all night. Wow, five bills for all night. Okay, that sounds good. Blonde, brunette, redhead. Hmm, let's, let's go with a brunette. Brunette sounds good. Busty? Eh, not so much. Figure anything more than a handful's waste anyway, right? <laughs> okay, I've got just the one. Where are you staying at? I'm staying at the Peachtree Hilton, room 1213. All right, sit tight. Give her about 30 minutes. So the guy hangs up the phone, kind of excited, about to have a paid date here. Sure enough, about 30 minutes later, there's a knock at the door. Beautiful, beautiful brunette. Not too busty, just like he'd ordered. Hey, sugar. Well, hello to you, and good evening. How are you doing? Well, aren't you going to invite me in? Oh, yes, yes, of course. Sorry. Come on in, come on in. I usually don't do this sort of thing. I heard you were looking for some company. Um, yes, yes. As a matter of fact, I am. And, uh, thanks to Nancy for sending you over. Um, I understand that'll be five bills for all night, right? That's right. Just put it there on the table. So the guy thinks, hey, this is great. Takes the money out of his wallet, puts it on the table. She's a really, really nice-looking woman. Very beautiful, very attractive. She walks over to the table, picks the money up, then walks over into the little bar, the, the mini bar, there in the hotel room, starts making him a drink. How about that? Here, baby. 
You enjoy this drink. Just relax. I'm going to go slip into something a little less constricting. All right. Guy's getting all set now. Takes his tie off, unbuttons his shirt, starts sipping on the drink. Hey, this whiskey sour tastes pretty good. So he's sitting there for a while. She's in the other room, getting into something a little less constrictive, as she said. He's just feeling so comfortable and so relaxed. He's just sitting there like, oh man, this is going to be great. I need to go out of town more often. And then the next thing the guy knows, he wakes up. And he's, ah, it's like the worst hangover ever. He's, he's aching all over and the light's so bright. And he's really, really cold. He's trying to figure out exactly what's going on. Doesn't remember anything. Kind of looks around and realizes he's in the bathroom in the hotel room. And he's sitting in a tub of ice water. He glances up on the wall, and there's a note taped there. The note says, Attention. Your kidney has been removed. Seek immediate medical attention if you want to live. He lived, but he's messed up. He's going to be on dialysis for the rest of his life. He actually ended up getting frostbite from sitting in the cold water for so long. Now, he doesn't know what she slipped him in that drink that knocked him out so flat like that, that even ice water didn't wake him up for a while. But let that be a warning to you. If you travel out of town, don't call any escort services out of the Yellow Pages. You may end up not only losing your money, but some of your organs as well. There's a huge, huge black market for organs. Hell, he's lucky they only took his kidney. This is a true story. The lady who does my mom's nails knows a woman who knows the couple that it happened to. So a couple from Franklin Lake was vacationing in Jamaica. One day, when they returned to the rented condo they were staying at, they found that they'd been robbed. The thieves made off with most of their possessions, but the couple was pleased to discover that their personal hygiene items, and more importantly, their expensive Nikon camera, was still there. So when they got home just a few days later and developed the roll of film that was still left in the camera, there were pictures of two Jamaican strangers in the condo in Jamaica where they were staying, each with a toothbrush sticking out of their butt. The couple were horrified when they realized those were their toothbrushes and they'd been using them the whole time after they got home. If you go on a trip to the Caribbean, be sure and lock your toothbrushes in the room safe. Now this one really happened. Back when my brother was in high school, he knew a guy whose cousin was the guy that it happened to. He'd taken his date out to this dark, deserted lover's lane for a little makeout session, turned on the radio for some mood music and leaned over and started whispering in her ear and kissing her and things. The announcer breaks in to the music and says that a dangerous psychopath with a hook hand has broken out of the local lunatic asylum. Wait, turn that up. What did he just say? An escaped homicidal maniac with a hook hand? Now, it just so happens that this state insane asylum was just a couple miles from where they were parked. They urged anyone who sees this man to immediately report his whereabouts to police. Now, the girl gets scared. She wants to be taken home. An eastern state is just up the road. Mm-mm, that's still too close. Take me home now. The boy, he's not scared. He he wants to make out with his date. He he told they're going to be safe. She becomes even more insistent. You heard what I said. If you ever want to see me again, take me home now. The boy, he's mad now. He starts the car up, slams it into gear, tears out of the lover's lane. The girl doesn't say much. rest of the way there, she's still kind of miffed. But when they get there... He goes around to open her door to let her out. And there, hanging on the door handle of the car, is a bloody hook. No, it really happened. And they never caught the guy.
And there you have it. Those are 12 of the strange urban legends that we believed as kids. Now, the first story there, The Choking Doberman, that was the name of a book. came out in the 80s by a writer named Jan Harold Brunvon. He was a researcher from the um, University of Utah. And that was the title of his second book. first book was The Vanishing Hitchhiker. But now, The Choking Doberman, I heard that story, told his truth. And again, it was always a friend of a friend. Gemma, did you ever hear that one growing up? I heard a variation of it where there was linked right along with a different urban legend, the creepy old abandoned house on the Every Street USA, where if you went in there, there were stray dogs staying in there that would puke up things like fingers with rings on them. And that's where the homeless population was going. You got to remember where I grew up. You know what I'm saying? Wow. And, and where did you grow up? <laughs> in Patterson and Clifton, New Jersey. So a very urban areas. There's a lot of abandoned buildings. There's a lot of stray dogs. And there's a lot of homeless. And so that, that story makes sense. And again, it's believable. And that's the whole thing with these urban legends, why they're so believable. They usually include very specific areas and very specific places. And that mm -hmm. will change from locale to locale. And again, some of these I've heard told from other parts of the country. Almost the same exact story, but the circumstances will change slightly and the place that it happened will change slightly. The next one, The Mutilated Boy. Now, I heard that one as a child. I was at the beauty shop with my mother, and it was a thing in the South. A lot of ladies had beauty shops in their homes, and it was a way to make a few extra dollars and also a way to get all the latest gossip. So mm -hmm. if, uh, a lady that my mom knew, Miss Cross, she had a, a two-chair salon in her basement, and that was where my mom liked to have her hair done. I mean, she sometimes would go to a, a regular beauty salon, but she liked to go over to Miss Cross's because that was where, in this particular subdivision where they lived, that was where the neighborhood gossip got passed around. A little two-chair salon in the basement, and there would be several ladies there all having tea or coffee and smoking cigarettes and telling you know, this, that, or the other. And I would always hear these stories. And I remember sitting out in the other room where the TV was, and hearing the story of the mutilated boy. Now, it wasn't Kmart. It was a store called Allmart, which is defunct now. It's been gone since probably the 80s. But again, told for the truth. And it just, you know, when you're eight years old and you hear a story about possibly getting your penis chopped off. Especially a little boy. Oh yeah, that's the worst thing in the world. There was a time when we went to Allmart after I heard this story. And I had to go to the bathroom so bad. But instead of going to the bathroom, I went outside by myself around behind the store and peed on the wall, which was which absolutely, dangerous. yeah, it was absolutely <laughs> the worst thing I could have done because it was dark and overgrown back there. But in my mind, it's like, you know, whew, I didn't go into the bathroom, so I'm okay. You know, I, I never heard this one. And as the mother of four sons, I was really disturbed by it. And I never want to hear it again, actually. And I wouldn't let my kids go into a restroom alone anyway, but I'll definitely never forget that. I don't care if we're in a diner. I don't care. Like, like I said, I wouldn't do it anyway, but now I especially won't do it. Like legal age of going into the bathroom by yourself when you're with mom is 18 now. Okay. So. <laughs> and that's just, just that's so one of those. Just so my know when they're listening to this, guys. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That's just one of those things that. When you're a child, that's one of your most primal fears, I think, is having your genitals mutilated by strangers. And for no reason in this particular story, it was a gang initiation, but I've, I've heard other variations of that later on. It was an occult, probably. Yeah, it was an occult <laughs> thing that it was just for fun. They were just mean kids. It was a dare. But again, it, it stuck with me that that one was one of the strongest influences in it. But it serves as a cautionary tale. It made me more aware. You know, when you go in the bathroom, look around. If there's, you know, other weird people in there, get out while you can. And the details in the version that I heard, I mean, the police later found a severed penis in the parking lot. Not the boy's severed penis, but a severed penis, meaning that there might have been others right. in the parking yep. lot. Didn't even think of that. And then the fact that the knife used to sever it was so dull and cars had run over it. To the point where uh, it was a lost cause. That's that's yeah. even more frightening. Absolutely, because the detail is so specific. 
so specific that you think, oh my gosh, yeah, like that, that, that's act, that actually sounds legit. You know what I'm saying? And that's what makes these tales so believable was that incredible detail. I mean, you had the place, the circumstance, the little minute details like that. And this, like I said, eight years old, it lit me up. And I was scared to go to the bathroom anywhere, really, but especially at Walmart. It was funny because in doing these, the man under the car, I always heard that version. I had always heard that urban legend, but I heard it as someone under your like not even someone something under your bed that I know there's like the thing under your bed that grabs your feet if you're laying with them but I was so afraid and still to this day like even right now I'm sitting on my bed like I will not sit with my feet hanging off of a couch that has any space underneath it a bed that has any space underneath it I will not do it it has to be like a solid if my feet are against it, it needs to be solid because I've always heard that the thing under the bed will grab your ankle and cut your Achilles tendon and pull you under and can't get away. So hearing the man under the car, that was even creepy too, because it put it in my head like, oh my gosh, I walk in more mall parking lots. You know? <laughs> I go to Willowbrook Mall or Garden State Plaza. But that's one of those things. Do you know, who, who looks under the car? And exactly. the one that always got me as a kid was under the stairs. Like if you had basement stairs that had the gap between them where you could oh, see yeah. underneath, yeah. if they weren't solid stairs, I would always run up the basement stairs because I was just waiting for something to reach out and grab me by the ankle. Yeah. So again, Absolutely. it plays on, on your base or fears, your primal fears. Now, the snakes in the lake, I heard that one just like I told it there from my Aunt Dixie. And yes, that was her real name. Um, <laughs> she was from Alabama. Kind of figures. I bet. <laughs> but uh, her son, Kenny, he liked to water ski as a teenager. And I remember that summer, she would not let him go to the lake because she had heard that story about the kid that had skied into a water moccasin nest and had died from the venom. I'd never heard that one before. And like I said, I just I took it for absolute gospel. Like many of these, all all of them, basically. You don't know what an urban legend is when you're a kid, though. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Too? And, and at that time, nobody really knew about them until they started bringing them to the fore, and it came into pop culture with Brune Vaughn's books. He was a, a professor at University of Utah, and he started collecting these and writing about them. And then everybody, me included, was like, you know, well, I heard that story. That's true. But it wasn't. Right. It was just you exactly. heard a version of it. And then and, the movies and now the internet, I mean. Yeah. How many urban legend lists are there, you know? Yeah. And that one, like I said, when I read it in his book, I'm like, no, this is real. I heard this. <laughs> <laughs> but there it is. It's just just that. It's a legend. And if I went back and tried to find out, you know, where and when and all that, it's as usual, you hit a dead end. Friend of a friend of a friend of a friend, maybe. Right. The spider bite, I had heard. I don't even know. See, this is how bad urban legends are. I don't even know if what I'm about to say is an urban legend or if it's real, but the, it was a variation and it was earwigs laying eggs in your ears and going into your ears and nose while you're sleeping and laying eggs and then the eggs go into your brain and you like die. I still to this day believe that's true until I heard this story when you told it to me when I heard it here. And I'm like, wait a minute, that sounds like the earwigs. I'm like, maybe that's not true. Do you even know like how long I slept with plugs in my ears, afraid that an earwig was going to get in there? There was an episode of Night Gallery, you know, Rod Serling series, where an earwig had gotten into this guy's ear, and it was working its way through his brain, but he was actually able to survive. They had to, like, literally, they had him strapped down to the table, and he's screaming and crying, and finally, it works its way through all the way through his brain, and comes out the other ear. And that was always the story, that if it went in, it wouldn't back out, that it would go forward. And then they, they extracted it, and the guy's there, and he's sweating, and, you know, he's talking about all this. He's had to endure all this pain for days and stuff. And then the doctor that's attending him says, well, we got, got this one out, but the bad thing is it was a female, and she laid eggs in there. And then yeah. the camera just zooms into the guy's horrified face. but. Again, that's one of those primal fears of something in your body, something foreign, whether it be 
something supernatural or something very natural in the case of an earwig or a spider. Now, right. that one goes back to the 50s, the time when the girls started wearing the, the big bouffant hairdos. And uh, John Waters, the, the filmmaker, he talks about that in one of his books that the version he heard, the girl had this huge beehive hairdo and spiders had built a nest in it. And the way those beehives worked, they would just you know keep them up as high as they could pile them and then lacquer it with hairspray. Right. Usually final net or aquanet were the big ones aquanet. back then. Aquanet, yep. <laughs> I can still say the word aquanet takes me back. That's what my mother used. I still it remember how smell that it, stuff right? smelled. Yeah. <laughs> my sisters used it in the 80s. I've, you know, I was, you know, everyone was lucky if I brushed my hair up until I was like 14. I was such a tomboy, but my sisters always used it. Yeah, um, big yeah, hair, New Jersey, yep. the 80s. 80s. Yeah, I Jersey remember Jersey mall well. hair, baby. <laughs> Jersey mall but hair. But in, in the story that he told, the girl was at a dance, and she's like twirling around, and spiders start flying out of her bouffant and landing on other people, and they're all running and screaming. And This he, one was just so creepy, though, because it, I don't know. Like I can pick, I have spiders infested in my house because of living in the woods and i remember that when we first moved in here like the first week when we were cleaning everything i was sweeping up and i saw this little thing it looked like a little piece of like um round styrofoam and i like to play with that stuff so i <laughs> i squeezed it and all little baby spiders started coming out oh my god it was so gross oh my god it was so gross and that's all i could think about when i saw this oh my god when i read this i was like oh my god the spiders in the three season room and there's a fact that was published in the Honolulu Star Bulletin that scientists estimate were never more than three feet from a spider. Now you I think know about where there's that. one right now. <laughs> I know where there's one right now. I can look it's, up and it, I can see one in two of the corners of my studio. I leave I, them up there as long as they're not venomous because they eat mosquitoes and gnats. And I was just going to say that there's one on the right side underneath my bed between my box spring and the corner i named him jeff and i leave him there because he eats anything else that tries to get into bed like probably earwigs or something <laughs> there you go and, <laughs> i know uh, where jeff is right now they say we swallow 25 spiders in our lifetime too i believe that unless that's another urban legend could be <laughs> but uh i i'm happy to cohabitate with spiders as long as they do not get on me or in my bed, then all bets are off. You're going outside or right. uh, burial Getting at sea <laughs> down the toilet <laughs> or, or if you're venomous. Uh, when I lived in Las Vegas, that place had more black widow spiders than any place I've ever lived. I saw maybe one or two growing up. I saw them in Las Vegas. The, the first day I'd lived there, I found one in the garage. And they like to go low. I would find them in the kitchen, like under the microwave cart. Right. And they're just, they're so black. They're they are beyond black. You hear people talk about the black-eyed kids or the men in black or the shadow people being black. That's the way these spiders are. It's almost like a matte black or something. They're blacker than black. And they just look evil. And then that hourglass, nope, don't care for them. Yeah, no, I, I don't care for spiders as it is. You know, Jeff the spider is very small, so he doesn't bother me. <laughs> but I do have very, very large spiders. We have those stick bugs that you think is a stick until you go to touch it and it has eyes. But we have these really big, flat spiders here. And they're like the size of my two-and-a-half-year-old's hand. And they're constantly coming out of my heating vents. My house is super, super old, and it still has the same heating vents. And they're constantly going in and out of the heating vents. And it's just, oh, they really, they're too big. I'm talking about, like, like I said, my little spider friend, Jeff, he's like tiny, tiny, no bigger than my pinky nail. So he's, he's cool. And I remember when I was a kid, I found some kind of spider one time. I think it was a wolf spider, something, a big, weird looking spider. And it looked bumpy or fuzzy or something. I thought, well, what, what's wrong with that spider? And I poked it with a stick. And all of a sudden, all these little babies came running off of it. I mean, it looked Ooh. like hundreds of them, and they were teeny, Ooh. teeny, tiny. I know, yeah. And they carry them around when they're small like that. So when I poked it, they jumped off, and they're scattering around and running all over the place, and then they jumped back on, and she took off. And I was just like, wow. Imagine, you know, if, if that one gets in your house or you swallow that one, oh. then you've got oh, a few on. hundred oh, spiders. God, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on to the next one. The man in the back seat. Now, I've heard several variations of this Oh, my one gosh. This is a real popular one. Somebody will be following behind somebody, and they keep flashing their lights for them to pull over. 
and they won't. They're thinking, why is this person trying to get me to pull over? And then in the end, when they finally pull into a police station or somewhere, the person jumps out of the back of the car and runs off with an axe or a pistol or a knife or just the fact that there was somebody in the back seat of the car. Again, that's that primal fear, something unknown, something that's in... Something that's basically, space. yeah, I was going to say, something that's invaded your personal space that you don't know about that means to do you harm. Now, have you ever heard that one before, Jim? I've heard many variations of that one. And also, I got to tell you, if I go to someone's house to use the bathroom, I'm looking behind your shower curtain. And the main reason I do this is because of the urban legend of the man in the back seat. I don't like thinking there are people behind things. I will check out your bathtub. <laughs> to make sure there's nobody in there behind your shower curtain, just like every time I get into any car, I check the back seat because of this story. This is one of, in my opinion, the one of the most popular ones, one of the ones I've heard the most. Yeah, and I'm the same way uh, when, when I have a car with a back seat in it. I'll look back there just to make sure there's not somebody hiding in it. Again, it's, it's a cautionary tale, but it's served a purpose. It's made people more aware, and, and again, some of these are told for entertainment and shock value, but there is a little nugget of truth in there, or at least a caveat to, you know, listen to this, pay attention to this. Right. Uh, one of the meanest pranks I ever did when I was a teenager, and I'm talking like high school age teenager, we'd moved into a new house, and in the kitchen we had a sliding glass door and uh, had a curtain over it. I took a pair of my dad's work boots and put them behind the curtain so that the toes stuck out into the kitchen. My mom comes into the kitchen, she's puttering around, and I think she was making a salad or something, but anyway, she turns around, sees that, screams because she thinks there's somebody in, oh my in the kitchen behind the window, drops this big glass salad bowl, and it shatters in a million pieces, and I got in trouble for that one. I thought it was funny, but... Can I just tell you that I, my family, like my mom and my stepfather, we are pranksters. I can tell you so many stories. But my sister and I did something like that to my stepfather one time. It was the first time he had ever watched us while my mom went to bingo. I was probably like 12. My sister was like 16 at the time. And we were bored. And we were always all pranking each other. I mean, fake soap that looks like blood when you shower. Pretending to get electrocuted in a toaster. Like, just, we, um, so this, just like what you did, what we did was we turned the light off in our bedroom. <laughs> And we stuffed a pair of pants. I mean, we went all out. We stuffed the shirt. We put, I don't remember what we put for the head, like a soccer ball or something with a hoodie over it. We opened the window and whatever we had for like the hands, we had the guy, the fake guys, one foot on the chair, ready to go out the window of our bedroom <laughs> with his hand on the window. Like it took us a long time to make this dummy. But I got to tell you, we went running out of the room screaming like we were sleeping. We think someone's in the room. And my step, my stepfather went in and saw. It. He's like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" He's trying to usher us out of the house. Like we had to calm him down to tell him like we did that. He was so freaked out when my mom got home. He's like, "I'm never watching your kids again. They're animals." Like, <laughs> <laughs> I've had other similar pranks. Once uh, my brother was pastor of a, a fairly large church, and uh, they also had a, a book and tape ministry, and. My nephew and I would volunteer. We'd go up there on the weekends and copy books or record tapes to send out. Well, we got the bright idea once. We took a pair of somebody's boots. I don't remember who it was. Somebody had left their boots in the back part of the church, like the maintenance man or something. We took the boots and put them in one of the stalls in the ladies' room in the, the, where the church offices were. And we never heard the end of that one. <laughs> this rather large lady went in there. That she was the the church secretary, and she went in and turned on the lights. And you know, oh, first it's gosh. dark. She turns the lights on, and then all she sees is this pair of dirty, big, like hiking type boots in right, the, not women, in the bottom of the stall. And the lady, she screamed and ran out, and she blamed my it brother for it. But uh, he he kept quiet, and nobody other than uh, my nephew and I and my brother know who did it. But <laughs> it now was, everyone it was me. knows who did it. Yeah. but you know what? It could have very easily been those Halloween sadists. Ah, the Halloween sadists. Yes, that's the group of people that have gotten together to ruin Halloween for every kid in America, as the story goes. <laughs> They're going to put razor blades in apples and rat poison in oranges and sewing needles in candy bars. And uh, those lick and stick tattoos, they've got LSD in them. Now, I heard this as a kid 
uh, and I always checked my candy. Anything that didn't look right, uh, my dad or the dog got it. Same here. We talked about that on the live stream. Same thing. I was such a careful yeah. kid. And even like as an adult, I remember Park West Hospital in Knoxville, they would have a thing every Halloween where you could take your kid's candy bag in and they would x-ray it for you. But as far as I know, nothing was ever found. The worst thing I heard one year, somebody had given out caramel-coated onions that looked like caramel-coated apples, but they were actually <laughs> onions. And then another time, somebody had taken cloves of garlic and dipped them in uh, chocolate and had given those out for Halloween. But again, that's why you don't eat anything that's not a brand that you know of and that's not wrapped. Do you, do you know one time, I, I, first of all, one year I had so much candy and we didn't like get any trick-or-treaters. So for like two days, I just drove through Patterson throwing candy out the window at whoever I saw. Like the drugs coming out of the bars, throwing candy. And then another time I forgot to get candy um, and I just handed out all of the like soy sauce packages, <laughs> Taco Bell sauces that I got. <laughs> People are like, don't go to that house. They're cheap. And when you trick or treated, did you have that, that one neighbor that would always put religious tracks in there, the little Jack Chick comic books? Yeah, stuff like that. Or, or there was a lot of houses. There's a more affluent area of Clifton. And they would give out dollar bills or whole candy bars. That's what I remember the most. But yeah, there's always that one neighbor that gave like two pennies or a penny or like something like you said, like a religious track or because I always trick or treated by myself. <laughs> Being a kid that reminds the teacher that they have to collect homework, you don't have a lot of friends. So I, um, I used to go by myself and, you know, I'd get like a penny or I don't like candy corn. I'd get candy corn. I'd get all pissed off because someone <laughs> gave me candy corn. Like, don't you know what I like? Like, this revolves around me, you know? But as far as I remember, I do remember one year in the early 90s, someone did find something. I think it was razor blades in the apples in Clifton. Wow. Um, I, I remember specifically seeing it myself on the news. And it wasn't like there might be. It was on such and such street. There somebody on that street's being investigated for putting razor blades in apples. So I do remember that, but I couldn't tell you who it was, when it was. Now, there have been examples of things that, that did go wrong. One, in 1964, there was a, a woman from New York named Helen Fail. She was arrested for handing out things like ant poison and dog biscuits to kids. Oh, my and gosh. When the, the cops showed up, she said that she was just joking and only gave those items to kids she felt were too old to be trick-or-treating. And although no children were poisoned, law enforcement didn't think it was very funny. I could see if she handed out just the dog biscuits as like a joke, but poison? The, the, the yeah, you poison. can't be doing that. Yeah, yeah, you can't do that. But now the most infamous Halloween poisoning took place on Halloween, October 31st, 1974. A man in Texas named Ronald O'Brien gave yes, cyanide-laced pixie sticks to five children, including his own son. Who was the only one that died? Right. And what they discovered when they finally started putting two and two together and figured out that nobody had given out pixie sticks, that uh, O'Brien had recently taken life insurance policies mm -hmm. out on his children. What a he had evil person. Yeah, he had blamed it on that he got it from this house, but the house that he blamed it on, little did he know, nobody was home that night. The person was at work, and they were able to prove it. I look at... All of my kids, even even the legal adults, you know, I look at them and like if they stub their toe and start crying, I want to like cry and be like, oh, my God, um, I can't imagine doing that to your own kids. To your own kids for money. Suitingly enough, he was convicted of murder and executed by lethal injection in 1984, which which was much more humane than what he did to his son. But exactly. we can move on. And, uh, and that's that's where the whole legend of the Candyman and uh, Halloween poisoning. That's the one that kind of started everything but yeah i'm ready to move on off that one yeah now the next story the spanish fly did you hear about spanish fly when you were in school like say high school or whatever no I, i've never heard of this one until until now yeah that was a big thing when i was a teenager and in middle school that was the magic drug and then you know now in the age of bill cosby it's it's not as funny or as enticing but, right absolutely. but back then it was this pill that you could get depending it was you could get it from mexico it was advertised in the back of adult magazines and you could go to the adult bookstore and buy it and 
in its true origin, it was made from a body of a fly, and it had some sort of uh, almost like a pepper-type effect, and it would make your nether regions itch. Some thought that there was only one way to satisfy that itch. So anyway, that and it that wasn't legend, from scratch, huh? <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> legend notwithstanding, this one again, cautionary tale where a guy slips some to his date and. It works a little too well in his absence, and it's like it said, you know, she, she'll never have children, and she has to wear a colostomy bag for the rest of her life. Again, I heard this one in high school, the guy that told it to me. His brother knew a guy that knew the EMT or the paramedic that worked the case. And, right. And everything in that story, I told it exactly the way I heard it. The Dixie Lee Drive-In, that was a real place. There's pictures of it on the Internet. It was an outdoor drive-in theater that showed X adult films. The screen faced away from the highway, but I always used to remember there was a house up on the hill behind it. And I thought, man, how would you like to meet those people? Every time you look out <laughs> right? your window, there's Deep right. Throat playing on the screen. But Absolutely. that was a real place. And then the place where he bought the pills, West Knox News, the dirty bookstore, that was that was and is a real place as far as I well, know. Well, that's, that's what we talked about. That's what make that's what makes them seem so real is yeah. that they're relatable places. That yeah. was and is a real place still in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, on Kingston Pike, as far as I know. So that one again, the facts as they were that made it seem so real. Now the next one, the Avon oh lady. This one scared me again. I heard this at the beauty parlor. Same place I heard the story about the, the mutilated boy. And it just, it scared the life out of me because my mom liked Avon. She purchased Avon products and she did have regular Avon ladies that, that she went with, a couple of them. But I always thought, you know, what if an Avon lady showed up that my mom didn't know, but my mom likes Avon and she let her in. So anytime we had an Avon lady over after that, I was like peering around the corner like you were suspicious of Are her. you sure you're yeah. a lady? <laughs> yeah, I heard this one too and this one still to this day. I mean, for this urban legend and other reasons, like if you don't tell me you're coming to my house, I'll literally stand at my door and watch you knock while you see me and you're not getting in. Like even it's like especially people I don't know, like there's no chance you're getting into my house. And this urban legend is definitely one of them. You just never know. You never know who people are. I don't remember who said it, but we are all sentenced to a lifetime of solitary confinement in our own skin. And you can never really, really know somebody. And especially, I mean, you don't even know the people close to you. You don't know a stranger. Oh, again, like you said in, in the opening, you know, trust no one. Don't, exactly. don't trust anyone because you, you never know. There are people out there there, you know, I mean, people like Ted Bundy that would pretend Absolutely. that he had a broken arm or he needed help, you know, loading something into his car. You hear stories of uh, people enticing children. Oh, come and help me find my puppy that's lost, uh, that yes. ran away. So again, you know, take nothing at face value, question everything. And you may be paranoid, but at least you're safe. <laughs> Safer. Absolutely. Yep. And now the next one, the hook. That's one of the oldest ones, I think, that, that I'd ever heard of. And again, it went back to a time when car doors still actually had a handle on them that you put your hand in. When it was called necking, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, same thing, an escaped lunatic with a hook for hands, sometimes two hooks for hands. And the date insists that, you know, we leave the area right now. The guy does, he floors the car. They don't speak the rest of the way home. She's scared. He's upset. But then when he goes around to open her door to let her out, there, hanging from the car handle, the door handle, is a bloody hook. They were that close. So again, a cautionary tale. Oof. To keep, you, keep teenagers from going and parking in dark places that they're Absolutely. known to do. This one, too, the, uh, the stolen kidney, I got to tell you, I love this one because it's told so many different ways. But the way it was told here with the escort service, it kind of calls back to that whole like you know you shouldn't be doing stuff like that anyway do you know what i mean again Absolutely. you never it know was... you don't let strangers into your home you never know who you can trust and let me tell you something a beautiful woman it can be disarming and when a man has one thing on his mind you know i know this from growing up like i said in a neighborhood where there's a lot of homeless there's a lot of addiction the men who 
have all of the drugs, they will want a pretty girl to sell their drugs because pretty girls, beautiful women are very disarming, especially to men. And no, they don't suspect them. They don't see beautiful women coming. Do you know what I mean? A beautiful woman is something pretty to look at and sweet and gentle and, you know, especially an escort. They're they're at, at your service, at your disposal, at your pleasure. And you never, never suspect her. You'll never see her come in and she gets you. Yeah. And like you mentioned, women are easy bait to trap men with. That's why spy agencies, the CIA, for example, they'll set up what's called a honeypot where they have a female agent and her sole purpose is to entice men and then during pillow talk, get what information she can get out of them. Now, I don't know that they drug you and steal your kidneys, but uh, I have heard (laughs) other variations of this where it was, you know, just two people, two strangers that met in a bar. The other one wasn't even necessarily female. But uh, yes. one guy buys another guy a drink. Next thing he wakes up, his kidney's gone. Now, there was a He's similar... In the bathtub full of ice. Yeah, always in the bathtub full of ice. And the, the note, if you want to live, call 911. I would think if you were going to go to all that trouble, just take both kidneys and say la vie. Absolutely. Say la mort. Yeah, leave no witnesses. Yeah. And another variation of a stolen kidney that I heard doesn't involve a kidney, but a disease. And again... It's one of those yes. tales. Don't do something you're not supposed to do. Your dalliance, you will pay for it. The one where the guy meets beautiful woman in the bar. She seduces him. They end up back in his room. They sleep together. He wakes up the next morning. She's gone. But scrawled across the bathroom mirror and lipstick is welcome to the world of AIDS. I remember hearing that in the early 90s, I guess because of the 80s um, AIDS scare when nobody knew what it was. and the epidemic and all of that. I remember hearing that and I swear this is one where my cousin told me that it happened to one of her friends who, you know, one of her friends, cousins, I don't know, but I remember my cousin telling me this story that the woman wrote on the mirror, welcome to the wonderful world of AIDS. Yeah. And um, that was a cautionary, wear a condom or don't sleep with strangers. Yeah, kind of that tale. was the thing. And, and the story that the way I heard it was the, the woman who had AIDS that she'd contracted it from a philandering husband, and just to pay everybody back, that's who she targeted, was people that were wearing wedding rings but would still go back to a room with her. So, oh, again, I didn't hear that. Yeah, part. she only wanted to spread it to people that she thought deserved to have it. So, again, <laughs> cautionary then, tale. That would have been even more scary when you really couldn't live with it because yeah. they didn't know what it was. You know, yeah. nowadays it's like, that's really effed up someone did that, but it's not a death sentence. Back in the early 90s and the 80s, when I'm sure this urban legend popped up or came from some variation of some other urban legend, I'm sure this was horrific to yeah, think Yeah, it was, and it was, you know, it, it was an eye-opener for a lot of people, I'm sure. And that was, I first heard it probably around 83, 84, when they had first named AIDS, because I remember when it started, they didn't even really know what it was. And uh, the first real article I read about it was in Rolling Stone magazine. I think that was in 83 because it had the guys from uh, Miami Vice on the cover. Oh, the year I was born. (laughs) (laughs) But again, tales of dalliance and and the consequences thereof. So gentlemen, if you're, you're married, have a girlfriend, whatever the circumstance, keep it in your pants when you go out of town on business. Yeah, don't cheat. Don't be a douche. All right, we got one more that we covered that I had heard different variations of and that I had actually seen something similar that kind of reminded me of this. I was reading it recently, or I saw a video on it, a YouTube video that another true crime YouTuber had actually covered, and it was about this girl that had a roommate that didn't like her, and she was taking this girl's toothbrush for months and sticking it in her butt cleaning the toilet with it and the girl started breaking out all over her mouth but she found out that the her roommate was doing this to her because the roommate was online bragging about it and the roommate did end up getting arrested for this it's she spread some kind of disease you can't just stick a toothbrush in your butthole and have someone brush their teeth with it that's that's you know (laughs) as silly as that sounds it's true though i mean that's bacteria that's You know, that's why they tell women, wipe a certain way so you don't mm-hmm. get bacteria on yourself. Front to back. Yeah, exactly. I had a daughter. <laughs> so. Yeah, you know, and you have to. You have to really be careful with yeah, that. You can get some, some nasty infections anywhere. And again, that's it's a cautionary tale. That's an online version of it. That's that's a newer one, I think. But oh, uh, the original there with the people that went to the, the Caribbean 
the Caribbean, however you want to say it, that was told, again, as the truth. And the area where I grew up in, the part of West Knox County, there was a little community out there in Farragut, which was and still is a very fluent neighborhood. There were half-million-dollar homes in there and more back in the 80s. So right. I don't know what there is there now. But that was the nouveau riche. The old money lived out in Cherokee Hills farther up Kingston Pike, almost into downtown. But that was the whole thing. It was more of a, a tale of a comeuppance. You know, these were the people that, according to everybody else, you know, the, the new Bovarish, the, the new money, the people that thought they were better than everybody else and just because of their money. And you go on a vacation, this is what you get. You know, you go and enjoy yourself, then something bad's going to happen to you because poor people don't think it's funny. Yeah, exactly. Or yeah, the less fortunate, I... or the the working class. But Again, there's a lot of these legends like that where it's there's a social strata there, and it's kind of almost a Schadenfreund, which is a German phrase. It, it literally translates to sorry friend, but it's a joy in the misery of others. And there are people, well, I mean, if you look at the fail videos and things on the Internet, there is just something entertaining about watching other people, particularly those of a certain attitude, watching them fail miserably. Well, that's what I was saying. That's why I brought up Franklin Lakes, because that's a very affluent area in New Jersey here. And that's where I heard it. And it could have also been, you know, Alpine or Avalon, wherever. But yeah, I guess it's just, you know, something funny. You know what I mean? A kind of eat the rich kind of thing. So I thought that one was really disgusting. Um, I also want to caution men and I guess women, too. If you're going to cheat, it might not be the uh, lipstick on the mirror it might be your significant other like i've done and just using your toothbrush to scrub the toilet because you want to stay out all night and not tell me where you were i mean it's not my fault you give me a key to your apartment i go there at three in the morning you're not there you come home the next day and i've moved all your furniture out you know what i'm saying not that i've done that to anyone but you could (laughs) (laughs) i totally did i'll I'll never tell i totally did he's still one of my best friends in the whole world and we laugh about it now but you know, now that I think back on it, I probably should have told him after, like, once we'd, like, get back together and make up, I'd be like, yo, here's a new toothbrush, go brush your teeth a couple times with it, get rid of that old one. He'd be like, why? I'd be like, you don't want to know. Just trust me on that. Yeah, just trust me. I accidentally dropped it in the toilet, you know, and decided not to tell you. No, I scrubbed that shit. <laughs> All right. Well, Jim, that brings us to the end of this episode. What a fun romp we've had through oh, all these. Oh, I had such a great time. This was really fun. I loved doing this episode. I love this format, and I just I'm having so much fun doing this. I really did. I Coming back to all these stories, I was thinking of my childhood when some of the names came up. I was like, oh, I heard that that happened over here, and I heard that that, and just thinking about what it is in, like, the movies today, in pop culture today, and all over the internet. We could literally do, like, six months worth every week and cover a different urban legend and still not even scratch the surface. That's what's so awesome about them. Absolutely. And then the collective to hear the variations and the different ones and watch for new ones. That's always a great deal of fun. I'm just super excited about uh, our future. I really am. And same goes for me. I can't wait to see where we're going to go next. Actually, I know where we're going next, but the people <laughs> listening will have to wait till the next episode to find out. Again, for Jim and Jade and myself, this is Steve Stockton. You've been listening to Strange Things, and we'll talk to you next time. But remember, every single one of these is absolutely true.